my new best friend. Hey, podcast listener, you're listening to the Semi Pro Cycling Podcast, the weekly podcast where we discuss all the issues that cyclists talk about. Whether you're out training, commuting, or just riding around, sit down and listen in because we're about to begin. I got something to say, man. Yo ho! Welcome to Unlucky Episode 13 of the Semi Pro Cycling Podcast, where we believe that only a semi pro cyclist will write their name on their biddens. If you stick around to the end, I'll fill you in on the quote from the top of the show and let you know who is Tor's new best friend. If you like the show, please take some time out to give us a review on iTunes. It would mean the world to me. Thank you very much. So, straight to the news. Gilbert. Wow. Awesome. A world championship. And that, my friends, is how you win a world championship. Taking it from 2.2 kilometers to go. So cool. Rocking up that climb. The expression on his face. He just had it won as soon as he got to the flat bit, even though he had another one and a bit case to go. He rode it home. He even had time to turn around in the last 400 meters. I love his style. And I really don't know why I like him so much. I can't put my finger on it. He has had a hell of a season in the bad way. Transferring over to BMC, three million bucks for the transfer. So he's finished the season just like Cadell did when he had a rough year, the best way possible, wearing the rainbow jersey. And BMC doesn't need to buy another rainbow jersey next year. I'm going to get straight into the nuts and bolts, and it's climbing, race tactics and techniques with Dylan Cooper from Rockstar Racing. I had a little help this week. I reached out to Dylan for some insights into cycling. If you don't know who Dylan is, he's an accomplished mountain biker from Australia. He's won the Australian National Series for cross-country, short track, marathons. He's even won the Japanese National Cross-Country Series and a whole ton of other races. Not that you would know by talking to him because he mostly lets his actions do the talking. He does have an aggressive riding style and leaves it on the track every single time he clips in. But even considering this do or die attitude, he brings it to his racing and his results have been quite consistent over his riding career. And so being a mountain biker, first and foremost, I thought it would be interesting to delve into one of the toughest aspects of cycling, climbing, and specifically how to get the best out of yourself, including his number one tip for beating your competitors and some race tactics and insights thrown in for good measure. So let's get to it. Dylan, welcome to the show. You are guest number one. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Today, I want to talk about climbing and specifically with a focus on how to get the best out of yourself on climbs. And I want to start with, what is your relationship with hills? Um, I like them going up and down, but um, of course it depends on fitness. So my relationship with hills is either bit up and down depending on what part of the season is. So you say you like them. Do you consider yourself a climber? Um, I did for a long part of my career so far, and in the last few years I've probably focused on other things like technical sections and if anything, being better on a flat, I think it's hard to get both. To be a pure climber and say a driver on the flat, but you definitely can be strong at everything. But um, I'd say, yeah, in terms of my own climbing, I like certain types of climbs. So you steep pinches that step up a mountain and, and keep going, going, but with sort of varying gradients rather than just one big turn. So you're saying you prefer short, sharp hit-outs rather than just a steady climb where you're getting into a rhythm and things? Exactly, yeah. Um, the same reason I don't like time trialing or and I'm good at it is that it might be a mental thing, but I don't like the rhythm. 
which is another reason I like mountain biking more than road. Um, and I'll, I basically um, climb with power rather than with fewer strengths rather than just motoring along. I like to do surges um, and being erratic is, you know, it suits me more. Do you think overall that being a good climber is based more on being able to ride rhythm or, like you're saying, your style where, where you're actually attacking the hills? Good question. Um, now that you mention it, I think it probably depends on what you define as a good climb. If you're talking about getting a good time up a climb, say time trial in solo or in training or something like that, a good climber probably is someone that can get into a rhythm, control their heart rate, not max out but not, not go too low, just keep it really consistent like a time trial and not redline, but if you're talking about winning races, I think the power factor comes in there. And then, and that's where, for example, timing of when you attack someone, closing gaps, making other people hurt when they don't want to hurt and they're not ready to, or yourself pushing through pain when someone else attacks you and staying on them, um, and those on and off surges, especially in road and in mountain biking where the, the terrain varies so much that you sort of have to do that by default. So to answer your question, I think to win a race, you need to be able to get into a good rhythm but also have that ability to kick within uh, an overall effort. Yeah, okay. Because uh, it's interesting how you say there you split the difference between riding on your own and riding in a race. I see the difference between the two is you're gauging, one, you're, if you're on your own, you're just gauging your effort against yourself versus just other people. So all you have to do is beat the other people and that's when you're winning races. I was actually listening to a really interesting interview when it came to recording stats and things like heart rate, saying that people these days, they're pretty good at understanding the data, but they're losing the feel. So they're losing the feel of how they actually ride when they're riding well and what, what's working for them and, and instead of relying on their heart rate. So how do you actually record or how do you gauge your effort on climbs? Do you use a heart rate monitor or do you just go on feel? Um, I, I go off feel, but that's based on um, a long time using a heart rate monitor and at times using a power meter. I now have a direct reference to what it feels like um, compared to what my heart rate, I can tell my heart rate or power that would be. You're feeding off the two, so you're using you're, yeah. you're using heart rate as a base, but you're not placing all of your emphasis on it. That's right. I'm not actually watching my heart rate. I'm actually based on a history of knowing what my heart rate should be at, at certain points in a race or training. For example, getting to just above threshold and, and a heart rate I know I can maintain, and what that feels like. Um, I now use that feeling as a reference. With other factors taking into account, of course, if you're tired, if you're too fresh, and the heat and things like that. But in other words, I'm I'm really going off heart rate, but I'm actually guessing what that heart rate is. Yeah. Okay. As far as well, I think as far as climbing well, that you have to if you're if you're not a climber, you at least have to accept that hills are a part of riding, and a big part of that is also knowing how you deal with things and working out how how to handle them. I think as far as what I can gather from your from your writing and your training, you definitely understand your body very well. And this is exemplified by the fact that you haven't had a coach for a long time and just by what you were saying in regarding to the way that you ride based on mostly feel with a little bit of data. How do you know if you're climbing well? Uh, if it's by myself, just by the feeling that I'm on top of the gear, moving along, breaking the wind, not getting bogged down. Uh, and of course, if I'm with other people, just, you know, being comfortable when they're obviously hurting or, 
um, you know, dropping them or going, well, you know, it's a race. So, yeah, just a combination of things all add up, I guess. So when you're in races, do you actively go out? Like, I think the way you approach races, you're quite an aggressive rider. Would you say that's true? Definitely, yeah. Do you ever use other riders for pacing on hills, though? Yeah, I think um, if I'm confident, I'll hit a climb hard, as in not just get to the climb and then start going tempo and build up and let everyone stay within their comfort zone. I think to do well on a climb, if you are confident and in form, you should attack it going into it and you hit it hard. In other words, when people don't expect you to and that's, yeah, of course, if you're confident, you, you can do that, and then you might pay the price later on. But I am an aggressive racer, and I prefer to take that approach. And if, um, in terms of pacing, yeah, I basically do that and then go from there. If I do that and realize that, you know, maybe my legs are a bit heavy or lactic building, I'll then ease back a bit and then go off up with pace and then maybe try and recover on the climb and then hit it, hit it again later on. Whereas if you just sort of wait, I think, the last minute and go at other people's pace, they start to determine the pace on the climb and then you, you let them race at their comfort level or, um, you know, you, you, you go into their field rather than your own and then they determine what happens. And then you might be too late later on to do anything about it. Whereas yeah. if you start, if you hit it hard early, you control it a bit more. Yep. It really sounds like you use hills not only um, at a place to sort of put other riders into the the red zone, but but also to test yourself and them during the race. So not not necessarily to attack and ride away, but I guess what maybe you're talking about mountain bike marathons where there's less of an opportunity to just ride off the front all the time, and so you sort of get just getting a feel over time to see where where the other riders are at, and then maybe later on in the race you know if you can attack them and get away with it. Yeah, that's right. I mean, things like marathons and even road races where it is hard to get away from people because other sections they can sit on or you might be blocked in single track and things like that. It's The climbs are where it all happens, I think. And if you sort of hold back to 90% on climbs or even 80%, that, that gives other people an opportunity to stay with you and you eliminate every opportunity, um, in other words, climbs, to get away. And it doesn't leave many other ones. Um, and in, in marathons too, getting ahead on a climb means you get a clear run for the single track. So it's it's a tactically really important too. I definitely remember the last race I did with you, and you attacked on the very first hill and dropped me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I know the feeling of um, what it's like to be behind one of these attacks. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, so in hills themselves, I always see them as pain management basically you're just embracing the pain and just letting it serve as an indicator to how you're going or whatever which is what you've already said that you do either way i think climbing is painful and there's no way around it so how do you actually manage the pain do you consciously do it or is it just something that as being a part of a a rider over time it just it's part of the sport and and when you're training the mental aspect how you deal with the pain just kind of falls into place for you or is it something you consciously have to think about a lot yeah, I think that riders do get used to hurting over time and it becomes more of a normal thing physically and mentally, but some people still hate that pain and they just deal with it. Whereas I think with climbing, it's just that extra level of pain because you can't cruise even if you want to a lot of the time, especially mountain bike climbs that get rough and you've got to go hard just to get up them and then stay on the bike. Whereas road, I mean, you can control it somewhat, but either way, it's that extra level of pain that 
you really just have to learn to like if anything. As corny as it sounds, I just think you need to go, okay, this is a hill or a mountain. I'm going to get to the top, and the quicker I go, the shorter that pain will last for, and it's going to feel good once I get to the top. And Or if I win this race or if I drop this guy sitting on me, whatever it is that you want to achieve, um, just knowing that that pain's going to result in something positive, I think, helps. Yeah, I, I've always felt a, a real sense of satisfaction climbing hills, opposed to riding on the flat where there's no up and downs. So as soon as you start riding a hill, you've got a goal, immediate goal that you can conquer. Plus, yeah, generally, depending on what hill it is, it's, you're pretty you're usually in a pretty amazing place when you're when you're riding as it is. So, and when you're in a race, do you specifically go out of your way to hide your pain from other competitors? Um, no, not always. I mean, if anything, the the way I sort of try to control things is relaxing, and part of that is not you know tensing everything up or your know, face and your shoulders and everything anyway. So. I, I do it more just for, for the sake of relaxing, not to hide anything. And if anything, um, I mean, I've found that showing that you're hurting isn't a bad thing. Not to, you know, give away too much to any competitors that might listen up, but I think, um, if someone sees you hurting and they think, okay, he's hurting, I'm going to try and drop him now, and they can't, it's actually quite demoralizing for them. So, if anything, it cracks them. They don't know what what limit you have. It's, it's not he's hurting. That means he's yeah, going to get okay. dropped. Yep. He's hurting, and it doesn't mean anything. So it's sort of like they know you can hurt. So there might be not there might not be a limit, and that nothing mentally. A lot of riders find that hard to swallow. I think that is interesting that um, people try and gauge their race. When, well, when you try and gauge your race on other people then that's when you can really get into trouble, especially if you don't know your competitors really well. Because some people on climbs, you know, they make a lot of noise and they they're, they move around a lot and they're not very efficient or whatever, but you could never drop them. So that's right. from exactly what you're saying, that if you start thinking, oh, this guy, you know, he's in trouble, I can easily drop him, and then he sticks with you, that would be more demoralizing. Yeah, um, I think tactically and mentally a lot of riders do look for that feedback, so... I'm going to put in an effort here or attack on this hill here and I want that feedback to say, yep, this is working. And if they don't get that, um, it, it's not going to motivate them to keep doing that. So they basically give up. They, they might still go strong, but they're not going to think they can just drop you easily and they, they'll stop. Um, you might be hurting, but they won't just keep attacking you, which puts you in a better position to stay on them because they're, they're not going to actually – aim to drop you, they'll just aim to go at their pace. Yep. I've always found that in a road race, I'll kind of try and mask my pain a little bit because it's, it's easier to look around, but in a mountain bike race, it's a little more difficult because you're generally concentrating on the climb or, or whatever's in front of you rather than spending time too much time on seeing where your competitors are at. So you were mentioning there as far as relaxing as a technique, the way that I kind of approach climbing is sort of the same way as a time trial where all my effort is from my core and my hips down and I'm trying to keep my upper body as relaxed as possible so that I'm not wasting energy. Can you just go into further as, as to anything that you do that's similar to that? Yeah, um, I think the pedaling from the hips is some, something I concentrate on. I'm not as smooth and efficient as um, riders say like you have done track and really learn to spin and keep everything stable and 
and relaxed, still producing that power. But I do try to do it. And the good thing for me is that mountain biking, you're sort of moving around and having to use your whole body anyway. So using that technique 100% means in a way you're rougher because it means when you hit bumps and things like that, it puts you off anyway. Um, so I, I try and focus, yeah, like you said, relaxing the upper body, keep the, the core strong at the same time, and things like your hands are sort of strong from a certain point on, on the wrist onwards, but, but not actually using your shoulders and just keeping all that loose to maneuver the bike. And even in road, especially in critch where, say, you have to power out of the corner, you, you see riders stiffen up their, even just their legs and part of their torso to, to get that sprint power out. But what they're doing is putting themselves in a bad position for the corner, and that's when they the risk of sliding out or you know taking a bad line because they've, they've stiffened up too much or too early. Yep. Just touching back on mountain bike climbs, how do you actually conserve energy in mountain bike climbs? Like sometimes they can be really technical when you're when you're in the midst of it, and maybe in the smaller ones it's just a matter of getting up them and over them. But is there any any sort of things that you can specifically do to conserve energy in mountain bike climbs? Yeah, I think the the big one is the link between technique and the power app. So if you purely put power out and do all the right things that you would on the road and relax and keep it smooth and get into the rhythm, it's fine. But if you start hitting bumps and your position isn't changing according to the terrain and obstacles, you start doing things like spinning the back wheel a bit, veering off a little bit, all these subtle movements that in themselves cost energy plus correcting them every time costs energy. So it's more that being, uh, I suppose, nimble and producing power, not 100% like you can on the road, but more like 90% and that other 10% sort of taking the, you know, those corrections and um, keeping everything smooth so you can save energy for when maybe there is a fire climb and you can produce 100%. So basically... Um, whereas on the technical stuff... Sorry. Um, yeah. So basically, you're saying that you take what you do in the road. Say, if you're doing strength efforts or whatever. So you take you take the technique from the road and try and adapt that as much as possible. So the road is kind of because it is a perfect surface. It's quite easy to get into that mode. But then you're trying to take as much as that possible to technical climbs, and then adjusting it based on how how technical it actually is. Like whether it's it's super slippery, and you just have to adjust your weight back and forward or or anything like that. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. And I think the techniques are the same. And even your position on the bike is the same as on the road where your mountain bike bars line up with those, the hoods or just behind the hoods on the road um, or, you know, apart from the drops. But it's it's all quite a similar position and where you sit on the saddle and things like that. Unless, for example, you hit a really steep, loose climb on the mountain bike, you sit on the tip of the saddle and things like that. But yep. generally to get maximum power given conditions being good, it's the same thing. So mountain bikers should do a lot of road climbing if you get that fuel power and then, like I said, apply it to mountain biking and take those other things into account. So regarding how you actually incorporate hills into your training, it sounds like you do do a lot of road hills. How do you fit them into your training? Um, just any kind of general overview of where you put them in, basically? My training isn't so formulated, but as a general rule, I'd say... Early in the season, I'll do a lot of road climbs, and they're just incorporated into long road rides. They're basically hills throughout. So you get longer rests and hit the, hit the climbs harder. Once you get fitter and you want to get, you know, 
a more of a power output that minimises the recovery, so your recovery rates improved, and and uh, lactic thresholds also improved. Hill repeats are definitely the go, and that's where, especially for mountain biking, the the real key is to be able to climb hard but recover quickly, and even when you're pedaling and going hard, say through single track. And so I move into more of that sort of repeats and less recovery and, and strength efforts. So definitely big gear seated strength efforts are a, a big one that I know a lot of or most road cyclists and mountain bikers do. And then from there, as you're moving towards your racing, you're getting to the more power efforts. That's, you know, your shorter, sharper, out of the saddle, almost sprints, but more like one to two minute efforts um, around there. And in other words, as the season progresses and you get fitter and closer toward the peak, just minimize the rest in between higher output efforts. And then um, I incorporate mountain biking pretty late in the piece where it's getting all that hopefully raw power and apply it to off-road and, and taking technique and that terrain into account. Yep, okay. I, I did notice that um, you're number one on one of the hills in Strava. So you're obviously yeah. recovering well <laughs> after doing efforts. Well, um, yeah, I joined Strava last week and this is a, 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 I'm surprised at how good a training tool it is um, because of all the data it gives you without really having to do anything. And as well as the riders who do want to a gauge of where they're at, maybe. Obviously, there are too many variables to really tell, but generally, people don't get to ride with other people all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I see it as a massive advantage that you kind of always got someone watching you. Yeah, absolutely. For so, yourself mentally while you're training, and then, you know, as an overall training tool um, in a certain block or in the season, even just knowing if you can do PBs or having a measure, basically. And I think climbing. If anyone out there does start to do hill efforts or power efforts or anything like that, I've been lazy in the past and I do regret not measuring things properly. And, you know, people just can take this data too far, especially if they don't, don't actually know how to interpret it properly. But I think there's a lot to be said for measuring something and then looking at where you can improve those efforts or, or that aspect of your riding to, to get PBs and keep beating that. And, Things like those marginal gains you talked about in a couple of episodes ago where it's a little thing that all add up. And unless you have those those measures, you don't know where to even begin to look at where you can improve. So I think it's important. And Strava is a tool that I think you, you can somewhat use to, to fill that um, role that maybe if you don't have a coach, you, you need that. Yeah, and um, anyone can follow you. I'm pretty sure on Strava, so then they can keep a track of you. But um, I, I definitely agree with the what gets measured gets managed. Even if it's just periodically throughout a season that you're recording, um, say, uh, your favourite hill climb and just the time that you do it in just to see where you're at and then using that season to season to gauge where you're at coming into a season um, to, just, just to sort of see how you're going. But, yeah, like I was saying before, the real difficulty with collecting data is that people don't know how to use it or they're, they're putting too much emphasis on the data and then they're missing out on the subtleties of cycling. So they're missing out on, on the grey areas, the feel and, the, and um, you know, what my body is doing at a certain time or whatever. But, but I, I've always been big on, on recording and as much information as possible. Uh, even if I don't use it right then and there, I can go back to it at, at some other point. Yes, especially if you do have a good race or even a bad one, you can go back and look at why. Um, whereas... You know, your memory is definitely not reliable in that sense. Yeah, rose-coloured glasses. 
or, or the other ones. I don't know what 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 color glasses you're wearing when uh, when you're not happy with a ride, but yeah, red. Yeah, red glasses. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. I, is there any other sort of general tips? Anything that you you haven't put in there at all that, that hasn't popped up that that can help people? Because for me, the only one that I can think of is a good lesson I learned early on was riding over the top of a hill. That's actually the one I was about to say. That is my number one. Um, you might have even told me that one at one stage, or maybe the same coach told us both. Might have been Warren Donald or someone. Do you recall? Um, no, I can't really recall. It was someone very early on, and it's always stuck with me. And I think it gives you an actual competitive edge because if people don't grasp this idea, then you've got it over them straight away. Absolutely, and I think as a theory, it um, applies to so many aspects of riding. Where, like I mentioned before, riding into a hill rather than hitting and then starting, and into a descent. You know, it's it's all about that run up. And for example, in mountain biking, if you add up all of the peaks and dips at the beginning and end of every climb or descent, you know, it's a crazy amount. And if you're making even half a second on every one of those, it's a fair bit of time. But especially if you apply that to, you know, the mental aspect of riding and getting a gap over someone and then being able to keep it going, capitalise on that, that could win a race, um, even if you want to necessarily even stronger than that person, just that one little tip. It's helped me a lot in the past. And, and I'd say it's helped me crack a few riders without them knowing really why or helped me build up a, a good lead after I've had a bit of a lead. It sort of comes back to the overall theory, which I, I've, I've used a lot as well, which is just keeping momentum. It, you know, like it's hard to keep momentum over the top of a hill, but it's keeping momentum as much as possible. In other areas, it can be equated to sort of not using your brakes when you don't absolutely have to and staying at the front of a bunch or whatever it is. But yeah, just that idea of, of that constant momentum and then never doing anything, staying smooth and never doing anything to compromise that so that you get those little half a seconds here and there that definitely do add up. And especially in a, something like a, a cross-country mountain bike race, they add up over two hours or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. That's where it's helped, that using that tip has um, led on to applying that to things like going through rock gardens, um, through corners, dips, even even um, getting over logs and, and small things. You know, it's it's you're right. It's all about flow and momentum. And once you start thinking that way, that state of mind, I think, really helps you on more than just climb. So, it's, yeah, definitely a tip I try and get everyone to remember. Okay, one final question. It's not related to climbing. It's just a general one. Uh, what does semi-pro mean to you? Semi-pro, I think, is a a really good term because it's probably 99.9% of riders out there. The term pro is overused and you'll probably find, um, again, 99.9% of the riders you think are pro are actually semi-pro and riders you think are just punters are probably semi-pro as well. So it's, I think it encompasses the majority of cyclists out there and a, and a term that should be used more often. Cool. Thank you very much for being on, Dylan. There's some great nuggets of information in there. that I think a lot of people are going to get some good takeaways. Hopefully not too many of your competitors will be listening. (laughs) But um, is there a way people can get in touch with you if they do want to just see where you're at or ask any questions or whatever? I know you've got a a blog. Anything you want to plug specifically? No, just check out dylancooper.net and there you can go to Strava, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you want. There's there's so many options these days, probably too many, but yeah, just go there and um, 
with the contact page, get in touch if, if anyone has any comments or wants to get in touch. Cool. Okay. Thanks very much. Keep up the good work. Okay. So let's just move straight into the tech hacks and products section. And this week, it's a super quick one. The Cat Eye BC100 bidding cage. It's a nylon bidding cage. It weighs quoted around 29 grams. Why should that be important? Because it weighs essentially the same as an expensive, overrated carbon cage that's just going to drop your bottle anyway. I recommend this bidding cage as the only one to use. It is so secure on every single bike. It fits in neatly with carbon frames. It doesn't look out of place. And they've been around forever. I totally recommend them. There's no need to spend 80 bucks plus on carbon cages. This cage is the only one you're ever going to need. It's not going to break on you. It's not going to drop your bid in. It's the business. Let's get to the quote from the top of the show. It's Dave Zabriskie before Stage 9 of this year's tour. I'm warming to the dude. He has some personality or at least doesn't care too much to care when he's giving interviews. He's a pretty funny dude. I think I'm going to look more into him because I never really got exposed to him because he doesn't seem to win a lot of races. Is that just me or anyway? That's it for this week. I really hope you enjoyed it. And till next week, get on your bike and enjoy the pain cave or the hurt box, whichever one you're into.